This is a podcast of Highland Hill Community Church in Tacoma, Washington. You can visit our website for more information at www.highlandhillchurch.org. And let's go to our message. Well, today we're going to go to the book of Galatians. If you have that, if you could turn there with me. We're going to go and read a few passages of Paul's letter to a church that was having to deal with some issues. But question that I'm going to ask of us today as we look at this is why? Why, why, why? The kid's favorite word, correct? Um, They always ask why, why, why? I think back to my own childhood and how I, I'm sad to say, probably asked why more than I should. If you're able and able to stand with me, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1 verse number 6. We're going to read our passage of scripture from the word this morning, out of respect for God's word, if you're able to stand, let's do that. And it'll just be a few passages here, not the whole chapter, don't worry. Paul says this, verse number 6 of Galatians chapter 1, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as I said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For I, if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ." Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church and as a body of believers, Lord, representing your name. Father, we thank you for the family that we have in you, that we are able to work together as churches to keep the gospel light shining bright in this area of Washington. Father, I pray for Highland Hills that you would continue to be with them, that you would strengthen them and guide them as they go through this chapter in their life, that you would give them wisdom as they seek your will for the future. And Father, this morning as we look into Galatians, I pray that you would give me the right words to say and the understanding to convey the message clearly. And that Father, when all is said and done, you may be honored and glorified. We thank you and love you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Why? 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 We often ask the question, why? And it's a good question to ask. Why do we do the things that we do? You know, it's not a bad question to ask ourselves, why is it that I do this in a particular way? Um, In fact, if we were to ask why, it might save us from doing a lot of dumb things. When, just from a personal perspective, as a young lad, I should have asked why when I was with a bunch of friends out in a field with a magnifying glass, with a bright sun, and lighter fluid. And you can fill in the rest. I should have asked why. Nothing terrible happened outside of the fact that we got caught and And yes, I should ask why. It would have saved me a lot of grief that day. But as Christians and as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can ask the question, why? Why do we do the things that we do? Why is it that we are even Christians? And why do we assemble? Why is it that we are a church? Why do we do these things? And then we must look to the scripture for the answer to that question. We must look to the scripture to be reminded as to why we are what we are as believers. The scripture is our sole authority of faith and practice, or at least it should be, where we look and we turn to what is the scripture saying on a particular issue, and then use that as our basis for why we are what we are. And we must, with care, look to the world to see what's going on, because 
it is so easy to look around and say, well, why does the church do it this way? Or why does it this way? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? And then get sucked into this mindset of, well, let's be like everyone else. When the reality is we need to be the way Christ desires us to be. Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, as he declares in the first verse here to the church, is writing to churches that are going through a little bit of a hiccup in their ministry. This is early in the life of the Christian church. Most likely this event that we're getting ready to read about is prior to the Jerusalem Council and where Paul and Barnabas went to the church in Jerusalem and they dealt with the issue of justification by faith and that the fact that there was people coming who were preaching another gospel that you needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. So Paul is writing this most likely right before that event takes place. Galatia was an amazing adventure for Paul and Barnabas. They left Antioch as missionaries on their first missionary journey. They traveled across the Mediterranean and cut up north to go into Galatia. There's another city there called Antioch. It's in Pisidia. It's not the same Antioch that they left. When they arrived there, they spoke the glorious news that God had sent his son and that Jesus, who was killed, had been raised again from the dead. This was such an exciting message that on the next Sabbath day, nearly the whole entire town, Luke tells us, came to hear this message. It was a wonderful, exciting moment. But Luke also records how the Jews, moved with jealousy, came out and spoke against it. And the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region of Galatia in Acts chapter 13, verse 49. Paul and Barnabas go down to Iconium, which is another city of Galatia, and they spent time there, reasoning with the Jews and speaking the word of God boldly, performing signs and wonders. But, again, because of threats, they had to move, and the message continued to pass on from town to town. Then in Lystra, a man who was crippled was healed, and the town literally went crazy. Imagine a man who the whole town knew that was unable to walk, is also unable to walk, And these people who were pagans started to think that Paul and Barnabas were gods that had descended. Quite an interesting ordeal. And Paul and Barnabas had to do everything they could to keep them from sacrificing to them. It is in this town that the Jews came and Paul was stoned. And he was thrown outside of the city. And then Paul got up and walked back into the city. What what an amazing experience to get to have seen Paul get totally plastered with rocks. Fall to the ground. And then after the Jews left, gets up, walks in. And get to see him, through the power of God, do that. And so the background in Galatia, this area that is, if you were to take the Mediterranean and go north just a little bit into what we see as Turkey now, you're going to have a section of it that was divided out. That would be Galatia. These people had experienced this man, Paul. They've experienced this gospel message of Jesus Christ. They had heard how they could have their sins forgiven through faith in Christ. But now word has come to Paul that things are changing. The church is changing. Paul is most likely back at Antioch in Syria when this letter arrives. And Paul, for the care and concern that he had for these Christian brothers and sisters, writes them this letter. Most likely writes it with his own hand, which is abnormal because Paul would usually have an amunesis, someone who wrote his letters for him, or a scribe, we would call it today. And in that, you can hear Paul asking the question, why? 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 Verse number one, Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Why, Paul says, are you changing 
the gospel. Not all gospels are the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Many try to capitalize on that term for today, and they like to say, well, this is the gospel, or that is the gospel. But there is only one gospel. The gospel is not about us living our best life now. There's no way. The best life we have is in Christ. When our life is hid in Christ, when we have our sins forgiven in Christ, that is our best life. But it is the gospel is not telling people that you can have the best things now. You can have your all the things that you desire now. This is not the gospel. The gospel is not something that just moves us emotionally, that we get people stirred up and they, they just fall down in tears. And cry. Yes, the gospel will do that when you realize that your sins are forgiven by what Christ did and nothing of our own. That should emotionally move us, but the gospel is not just an emotional experience. The gospel that Paul declared to the Galatians The gospel that Paul is referencing back to is, why are you changing? Why are you being something that I did not put in place? Why? What is going on was the gospel of Christ. If you were to go into Acts 13 and 14 and look through the message of what Paul declared to the Galatians, it was that their sins and all that they had done could be forgiven through this one Christ, the one who had been risen, one who had went to the cross for their sin, And that is good news, because at this time, and even today, many try to have their sins, their being right with God, done through things of their own. And that is challenging. Do not know with confidence, am I right with God? The gospel means we can have confidence, knowing we are right with God. Paul, writing to the Corinthians later, would say that there is no other foundation can anyone lay than which is Christ Jesus. There is only one gospel. There's only one good news, that Jesus Christ was dead, buried, and rose again for us. The apostles declared this in Acts chapter 4, that Jesus is the only name under heaven by which men might be saved. That there is no other. And this is the gospel that Paul proclaimed as he left the church in Antioch, traveling across the Mediterranean, all through his travels. Paul declared this message of Jesus Christ. And how there was no one else but by him the man might be saved. This is, the, this is the message that the Galatian church had accepted, that they had trusted, they believed. But again, the message has come to Paul that that message, that glorious message of faith in Christ Jesus, this, where all of it rests upon him and nothing rests upon me, is being manipulated, is being changed. And Paul asked the question, Why? As a church, we are because of the gospel. When Jesus Christ said that he would build his church, he was not joking. This was a serious statement that our Lord said that you and I, as believers, when we trust Christ, would be placed into his church, and that would be the message we could proclaim is the gospel of Christ. When we come together as a church, when we come together here at Grace Baptist or wherever else that the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up in accordance to his word, we have fellowship. It is a wonderful thing to realize we are a family. And here we are as Grace Baptist in Puyallup, 20 minutes that way, is able to be in fellowship with you guys here in Tacoma. And as a family locally, you guys work together, fellowshipping in the work of the gospel, proclaiming the message. The church, why are we a church? Well, it's because of the gospel. 
Why does the church gather together? It's because of the gospel. Why do we love? Well, it's because of the gospel. Prior to Christ, prior to our understanding the importance of our salvation and how it all rests on Christ, the gospel brings us to understand true love. We can't truly love until we have Christ. And the church is also that place where we get to hold each other accountable. The why is this so important? Why, is the, why do we do what we do? Well, it's because the gospel is so important. And we get to hold each other accountable. Paul is holding the Galatian church accountable to stay to the truth. Why do, we, why do we do the things we do as Christians? It's so we can encourage each other to stay true to the gospel, to not give in, to not, to not quit when the times get tough and hard, to stick with it no matter what comes, no matter what may um, push back against us. I'm reminded of the 16th, 17th century in England where Baptists under persecution would gather together by the thousands knowing that next Sunday they may not gather together because, well, their pastor may be in jail. They may be in jail. But they did it because they knew they had the good news of Christ. And they knew that they could hold each other accountable to stay true, stay strong. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen tells us that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That ability to encourage each other in the gospel is so important. And we see Paul here. He is reaching out to the church in Galatia to, why, why, why? Don't, don't, don't change. Don't change the gospel. It's so important. This is why you guys are what you are. It's because of the good news. And we proclaim it. We proclaim this good news. This good news is restrictive. Yes. John fourteen six is very clear when Jesus said that the gospel is only through him. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Today's Christianity, today's progressive Christianity tries to amalgamate all these ideas and say, well, there's all these opportunities to bring it all together. And there is no exclusiveness in Christ. And the reality is, no, the gospel is exclusive through Christ and through Christ alone. And so why do we do the things that we do? It's because it's Jesus Christ. That is all. Nothing more, nothing less. And we see that this gospel, this wonderful message that we have, is able to be deserted. See what he said there to them in verse 6. He says, I marvel, I am astonished that you are so soon removed. Paul saying, I am astonished. You guys trusted Christ. You guys had nothing that you could come to. Like you, you look at your idols, you look at your pagan gods, and you said, this is... I can't worship these anymore. And then you turn over here to Christ and you see what he has done and you've turned to him and and now all of a sudden you're changing again. And Paul says, why? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Don't. The Galatians were quickly moving into a form of Judaic Christendom where they were trying to attach Judaistic practices to their Christian knees. So they became circumcision, keeping of holy days, as we would see later on in the book of Galatians, that People came within the church and were saying, well, we need to change what the church is. We need to change what the gospel is. But they were doing it very subtly. They were deserting the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The grace of Christ is undeserved. When we think of grace, it means the undeserved or unmerited favor of God. You and I do not deserve the grace of God. I'm a wretched sinner. I was born into a Christian family with parents who loved the Lord. That did me no good. 
other than the fact that I was exposed at a young age to the scripture, and I was exposed to the gospel at a young age. But if I had died in my sin, I would have been no better off because of that. But because of what Christ did, because of his sacrifice, I was able to trust Christ. And because of the Lord's working in my life, I had undeserved grace through him. And I was able to embrace the gospel. Nothing on our part deserves it. We can't. For by grace are we saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. The Galatians were trying to add to their salvation. They were trying to add things. It became the gospel plus this, which the Judaistic practices that they were bringing in were not in and of themselves wrong. Circumcision of itself is not a sin. Keeping of a special day is not in itself a sin. But in this instance, they were adding it to salvation. If you want to be right with God, you will do this. If you want to have your sins forgiven, you will do this. And another gospel is not the gospel. We see Paul's emphatic statement here when he says, unto another gospel. This is basically saying, it's not even in the gospel. You guys have lost the gospel if you take this rote. Why do we do the things that we do as Christians? Why do we do the things that we do as a church? It's because of the gospel. And if we lose the gospel, then we've lost our whole purpose and our reason for being here. Verse number 7 says um, that this gospel that the Galatians were falling to is not another. It's, it's not the gospel. It's something completely different. If it's, I have Jesus and my baptism, that's a different gospel. I'm going to heaven because I got saved and baptized. No, I got, I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did alone. Justification by faith alone. Not with... Um, my baptism, my church membership, my tithes and offerings, my good deeds, all of those things that might come out of the fruit of the Spirit working our life and changing our life is one thing, but attaching it to salvation is a completely different. We cannot add to the gospel, otherwise it becomes another gospel. And sadly today, in a lot of our country, uh, with the progressive mindset that has invaded Christianity, the church has become a social mover, which social issues is not necessarily a bad thing, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how we can have our justification through that. And sadly, in today's world, this gospel, the same gospel that was proclaimed by Paul and Barnabas, by Peter, James, and John, is mocked by our world at large. They mock Christ and his word by distorting the gospel. They distort the gospel. You can just go on Twitter, if you guys are in, uh, onto Twitter, and you can see the churches out there that proclaim a social agenda and say, this is the gospel, this is what Christ brought into the world. And then you realize they're not even proclaiming what the Bible says. It is another gospel. It's a distortion, Paul said. Some that would pervert the gospel of Christ. That pervert is another th- word. You could think of it as distorting. It's changing. What, you look in the mirror and you, you think you see it. It's like the, the Washington State Department of Transportation's rest stops. You know those mirrors that we get to see? or They call them mirrors when you get into the, the rest stop. And you look at yourself in there and you realize how distorted you look because you can't even hardly see yourself amongst all the scratches. Uh, it's a distortion. That's not really the truth of the matter. My hair is usually just right, you know. It's like, but the mirrors when you're in the, when you're in the restaurant, you know, you can't see. It's distorted. 
And when we change the gospel, when we go, when the church loses the gospel, when Christians lose the gospel, it becomes distorted. And when it's distorted, no one can see the truth. They can't see the real thing. It's dangerous. It's like a molehill. We were in Wyoming last summer, and the molehills are so cute because the little moles poke their heads up, and you're like, oh. But you realize how dangerous those molehills, I mean, those little moles. Buffalo at full tilt coming through there, bison, excuse me, um, coming running through there, cows running through there, those little bitty holes, and they get their legs stuck in there and pop over. Like those little holes don't look very treacherous, but they, small things matter. And small things can distort the gospel so quickly. And even in today's world, the gospel is attacked by small changes. And we as believers need to realize we are here because of the gospel. We cannot let it change. We are here as Christians because of the gospel. And we cannot let it change. It must be cling to. It must be something that is emphatic in our life that we do not let it go. And if anyone tries to change it, we push back. That's why Paul says in verse number 8, but though we, or you can think of it this way, Paul says, even if it's me, we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says, look, if somebody comes and they preach a gospel that is different than what you have been taught, different than what has been declared from God's word, then they need to be accursed. They need to be kicked out in a very extreme way. In other words, this word here is anathema. You've probably heard it. The Catholic Church would use this term, anathema, and then you would be kicked out of the church. You would physically not be allowed back into the church. Those who teach any other way are a threat to the true gospel, and they are to be removed, emphatically accursed or damned. The devil does not really come up with new ideas. He recycles ideas on a regular basis. A lot of the attacks that we see today against the Word of God are attacks that have been around for years. They just get recycled, renewed. A new name gets added to it. Uh, Just as an example here, Paul says, though we, Paul, even in Paul's day, people denied his authority. People denied that Paul would actually say this. And that's why when you go through the book of Galatians and You start in the first chapter, going through chapter 2. Paul builds his case why he has the authority to say, thus says the Lord. Why Paul says, I can say these things. It's because God told him to. Because God sent him as an apostle. But even today, people will attack Paul. People actually say, right now, it's a big fight amongst people that Paul changed the gospel of Christ. And that Jesus' words are different. It's wild when you get to it. I, I hope that doesn't... No one here gets exposed to it. It's, it's a weird world right now that we live in where people would actually say Paul and all his epistles are actually shouldn't be in the Bible. But it's not new. There was people who believed that years ago. Men changed the gospel for their own gain. Peter warned us that this would happen. In 2 Peter 2.1, he warned us that false prophets would arise and try to corrupt the people just as false teachers will arise among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Understand that Peter warned us that there would be those who would come to change the gospel. And if we change the gospel, again, we've lost who we are as believers. Paul warned us in Acts chapter 20. He was getting ready to go to prison because he knew his time was coming for his first imprisonment. Paul called the Ephesian elders together and he warned them 
that people would come and try to change the gospel. That even amongst them own selves, people who they knew, that there would come those speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after themselves. And the beloved apostle John in the first epistle says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. For many false prophets have gone into the world. So you and I have been warned that the gospel is an important thing, that we have something that we cannot let go of, but it is something that can be distorted, that people will try to distort it. And if people will come and do try to distort, we are to not tolerate it. We are to be people of the gospel, people of the book. And we desire that this is what we believe and what we preach, and we don't let it change. Even if it's a person such as Paul, someone we know who we can respect, who we look up to. Um, this just happened recently within evangelicalism, where a very well-respected pastor said something rather dumb. And I strongly disagree with him. As much as I admire his ministry and all the things he said, this individual said something that was wrong when it came to homosexuality. But Paul says if people come and change things, we have to be willing to say, no, that's wrong. We must stick with the gospel. Or even if it's an angel, even if it's an angel, people who claim they have a new revelation or a vision from God, like literally there are people today who will say that this Bible is not enough. That God has secrets and wonders revealed just for you, but you've got to find it. That is a different gospel. Uh, I always wondered how Joseph Smith handled this verse when dealing with people, when he had to tell them that an angel came to him and told him that what was to be. Because Paul says very clearly, even if it's an angel from heaven, preaches any other gospel unto you, that which you have preached, then what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says it twice. Let him be accursed in verse number 8 and verse number 9. Because this is very serious. And we said in verse number 9, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that which ye have received, let him be accursed. It's very serious. The gospel is very serious. Why are we what we are? This is very serious. What we do as a church, what we do as believers, is not just a fad. It is not just a social club. It is not just a, I do it because I was born into it and bred into it, and this is just what I live for. Like, No, we do it because of the gospel. We do it because of what Christ has done. And this is something we cannot let go of. Why are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian because of what Christ did. Why, are you, why do you do the things that you do in life? I do it because I'm a Christian, because of what Christ did in my life. It's, it's so important. And if people come and they try to tweak it just a little, understand it gets distorted. It's serious. And we're not talking about like secondary issues. And people get all wrapped up on little things. They think their way is better, a preference of this, a preference of that. I have preferences that are probably different than yours. I'm not talking about those things. We're talking about the serious one, the one that is the reason why we are what we are, which is the gospel. As church, as a Christians, we must understand that fads come and fads go. It's hilarious what was in style one year, you know, years ago is now coming back into style. My wife grew up in um, with what was it, jean, cool, you know, jean skirts. They disappeared, but guess what? They're coming back. They're popular now. I grew up wearing bell-bottoms. Why? Because it was fun to do, because we were being like our parents. Yes, I wore bell-bottoms. Anyway, um, fads come and fads go. My kids will probably end up wearing them at one point, some point. Who knows? But when it comes to the church, when it comes to Christians, 
understand that these fads will come and go, but the why we do what we do will always be the same. There is nothing new under the sun, as the wise Solomon once said. There is nothing new. This gospel is why we do what we do. This does not mean that we have to look at all new ideas as bad. You guys got your church website up and running. It looks beautiful. It looks so good. Larry showed it to me right before the church started. That looks sharp. Nothing wrong with using new ideas and technology, as long as the gospel is not being messed with. We're doing things with God. Look here at verse number 9. Excuse me, verse number 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Question mark. Why am I doing what am I doing? Why am I the way that I am? Am I doing it to persuade men or God? Do I try to please men with what I'm doing? Or am I trying to please God? Because if I do it to please men, Paul says, I am not the servant of Christ. I am not the slave of Christ. If I'm doing the things that I do as a Christian, as a church, to appeal to another individual, to make men like me, to love me, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Am I trying to persuade men or God? Am I trying to do this for men or God? Paul was accused of doing many things of his own. Paul was here having to defend himself and the authority in which he was being charged. But where does our approval come from? Where where does our approval come from? Does it come from men? Do we seek to be satisfied by what others think about us? Uh, Within the Christian church, again, back to the fads. Fads come and fads go. People want colors, people want this, and people want that, and then it changes. Uh, Right now, if you didn't know this in Christendom, there's a huge fad right now for small, rustic churches. It's weird. I know. It's like everyone, when I was growing up, wanted to go to the big mega church, you know, the monstrosity, turn the lights down. Um, and now everyone wants the smaller church thing. It's weird how times change. Fads come and fads go. But are we doing it because we're trying to please men? Or are we doing it because we're trying to please God? That has to be the thing that we really search with. Are we doing what we do as a church to please God or men? We should strive to live holy lives. This is a very obvious, I hope, understanding from the Apostle Peter. He says, as God is holy, we are to live holy as Christians. But do we do it because we want people to look at us and say, those Christians are weird, you know. Um, they don't act like us. They don't dress like us. Is that what we want? Or is it because we just strive to be holy because, well, God is holy. And I, as a believer, I'm supposed to be holy. Yes, that, that just means we are different than the world. But it doesn't mean we have to be weird. A famous preacher said at this church meeting, he said, don't be weird as Christians. Don't be weird. We don't have to be weird. Just be part of our culture where our culture embraces the truth and what is right so that way we can show them why we are what we are. Christ. Don't let it be something that um, distracts. Our goal in life should be to hear that wonderful phrase, as our Lord said in his parable of the stewards, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. One of the greatest privileges that I have had as an employee is to work for a boss who says, Well done. Now, she doesn't say it like the scripture says. She just says, Good job. It's the weirdest thing as an employee, as a young, as a young man, hearing my boss tell me, You're doing great. Good job. I, I, I wake up the next day feeling like a million dollars. Can you imagine what it would feel like as Christians to have our Lord, the one who hung upon the cross, 
the one who took the wrath of God upon himself, the one who, the one who took all of the evil and wickedness that we have and that you and I have committed against him and removed it, paid for it for us, to hear him come to us and say, well done, good job. That just, wow. I don't know, I think there's a dollar amount you could put on how good that would feel. Well, why do we do it again? Well, because of the gospel. This whole point, this whole reason that we are where we are is because of the gospel. And we cannot let it change. We cannot let it go away. We cannot let it be distorted. We cannot let the truth of Jesus Christ become something that is second place in what we do. Why do we do the things that we do as a Christian? Why do we do the things that we do at church? I hope and pray it is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that it is because of what God has done and what he has done in my life, what he's done in your life. We don't know the future. We know the one who is in control of the future. And as believers, the world has went through upheavals and it has went through great peaks of Christianity. Churches have grown. Churches have shrunk. But through all of it, God is God. And the gospel is still the gospel. And the gospel changed the world. The gospel gave us a country that we get to experience today. The gospel did so many things. Don't ever let the gospel become a second place thing. Stand for the gospel. Why do you do the things that we do? Is it because of the gospel? I hope and pray that it is. Our Father, we thank you that we are able to come before your throne this morning. We thank you for your word that, Lord, we are able to open it and to hear it read. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his willingness to die upon the cross for our sin. And Father, I don't know the spiritual needs of everyone here this morning, but you do. And I pray that if there is anyone here that does not know you as Savior, Father, if the gospel is not real to them, that they would, uh, Lord, just get it taken care of even today. And Lord, you know the hearts and the issues that are going on now as Highland Hills seeks to look for a pastor. Father, I pray that you would give them strength and grace that you would touch each member here in a special way, that they would feel your presence as they continue to work through the next chapter here. God, we thank you for being God. We thank you for Christ and for the wonderful salvation that we have through him. Father, help us to never let it become second place. Help us to never let it become distorted. But that, Father, we would stand for the truth and cling to the truth. And when people ask us why, we would be able to say, it is because of you. We thank you and love you and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to our message from Highland Hill Community Church at www.highlandhillchurch.org. Please join us where you can find more ways to connect with us. We hope to see you soon.